0: Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Coleman, and I'm here with my good buddy, Benji
1: Satorius.
0: Benji. Eric. It is not just us here sitting at this round table today.
1: We have this other human with us.
0: We have our friend, Nathaniel Rohr, sitting here with us today. I'm happy to be here. This is amazing. It is. So, Nathaniel is here as our first podcasting guest. How does that feel? I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. It is a weird experience talking into the microphone as if the microphone is our audience, but at the same time, we get to have this conversation together.
1: So, Nathaniel, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little about you?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, I um, am the IT supervisor at Harvest New Beginnings. I work with Eric um, oh, I'm sorry about that. And you know it It, it works out. It we has have, its perks. It has its <laughs> perks. Um, so before that, I worked for four years in a school district doing IT. Um. I've been doing IT at Harvest now for about two years. Um, I've been at the church for about eight. Um. I have a background in production as well, so... Um, I used to work with Eric um in the in the A V booth and I really enjoy what I do.
0: Speaking of that, what was the first assignment
2: that you had <laughs> in the A V booth? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm this uh this young kid, new to the church, wanna help out with the uh the A V. I walk in and then for six months I was sat in a room to mix the C D recording. That's Four channels, right. vocals, band. It was a lot of fun for those headphones
1: for those listeners uh that we have what is a cd
2: <laughs> um so that is it's a it's about an eight inch disc with a hole in the center yes um that you can read and write data to oh. its predecessor was the floppy disc it's called a compact compact disc, disc. compact disc yes and my watch can hold more information than a cd can now and is a lot smaller and is a lot smaller and updates regularly. Oh, yeah. And it tells the time, which a CD couldn't do that either.
0: No. <laughs> I don't know of any CDs that could tell the time, nope. actually. be right.
2: If it had the time on it, it would be right once every 24 hours.
0: All right. So you have some knowledge of AV things. You have some knowledge of information technology things. We're here today to kind of just discuss and open up the table to some IT support for our online listeners. So really, whatever insights and various tips and tricks that you can provide for those listening would be great to hear. And we can just bounce back and forth with some of the things that we've implemented in the past.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So in addition to doing um, a whole bunch of stuff for Harvest, I also do some side projects and I've worked at uh, four or five other churches Um, helping them with IT stuff and just got kind of gotten a perspective on different setups and infrastructures that churches have. And it's a wide variety. You can have churches that are huge, that are running tons of firewalls, tons of APs, lots of different things. Or you can have churches that have one Wi-Fi router that powers their entire offices for the two people that work there during the week. Definitely a wide variety of infrastructures that are put in place.
0: So let's maybe just break down the basics of a internal network like what does it take to get up and running
2: so i'll talk a little bit about what we have set up at harvest um we have comcast business bringing in a coax line to our firewall um, or to our core switch that then goes to our firewall then we have four different vlans that uh, a vlan is basically a way to segment off local area network and so we have one set up for our staff network one set up for our guest network Um, one set up for our production network, and then another one which I consider, it's called media, but I consider that our vendor network. Anytime we have um, somebody who's not quite staff, but uh, I guess speaker or a guest presentation that needs to connect their device to the internet that uh, we don't want on our throttled staff, or our throttled guest network, but we don't want to put them on staff, that's what that uh, fourth network is for. And so... We have these different networks set up. Um, obviously, staff is the most commonly used one. That's where all of our Ethernet in the building is, with the exception of the worship center. And then our guest network is for anybody who comes in the building to use. Um, but it is throttled, and we don't allow any high-bandwidth traffic to go across the network, so that way people can't stream videos, stuff like that. So occasionally we run into a church camp that wants to come in and play a video you know, out in the lobby or something like that. So then we put them on our vendor media network and allows them. That's also where all of our smart TVs and Rokus connect to as well as all of our security cameras, our wireless security cameras, kind of to get them off that staff network but not bog down the production network, which our production network, all of our soundboard, lights, everything that uh, Eric is in charge of um, is connected to that production network. And that helps keep traffic clean it helps being able to segment that we don't run out of our our range of ip addresses and uh, we do a, a good job of being able to segment traffic which will lead me into a second point is that having four different networks anybody who was able to get into the production booth and then be on our network is only they're not able to access our servers or anything like that since the production network does not talk to that having four different vlan setup is also a a added security benefit because if someone were to get into the production booth and have access to our networks it's only on the production network that they're connected to and that way they stay off of our servers they don't have access to any of the tvs they can't start casting stuff so it adds a nice security bonus because everything's segmented
1: how many uh network switches do you have at harvest like do you have like a the whole main system goes into one switch and then you have breakout switches for some of those VLANs or, or not.
2: So the staff network is off of our main core switch. And then we send that over fiber to our two other um, IDF closets in the building. We have three sections of our building that have been additions. So in each one of those, we have a central IDF closet and then our media network is strictly Wi-Fi only, so that was all configured. Just we use Ruckus APs, all on the Ruckus side. Um, we have eight APs in our building, and then for network switches, we have we have four in our main IDF closet, two in our secondary, and then we have one managed. And then when we get into the AV side, Eric has a couple unmanaged switches that handle some of the in-ears and Dante and all the other production that needs to be connected to that. Yep. Is Guest uh, Wi-Fi only or has that got
1: some hard lines as well?
2: There is one hard line that has been used once, um, but really it's it's just uh, Wi-Fi. Gu- Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, it's in our
0: foyer and we have like the little table markers that allow people to
2: know because it does still have like a password so to access it. We used to have it open. Yep. However, we ran into some people that would come and sit in our parking lot at nice midnight. Yep. And connect to an open Wi-Fi network. Yep. So we publicly were publicly. So we publicly um put the password out inside the building to allow people to find it and connect to it. But that way it still is protected for any random person who was outside. Uh, they cannot take advantage of our network. Yep. Um it also turns off at 11 p.m. and turns back on at 6 in the morning. Nice.
1: For that's that pretty, same same cool.
2: reason, yeah. And that's all done inside the Ruckus yep. uh, can, config panel. Where does the
0: firewall sit in that structure of the setup?
2: So everything, as soon as it comes in from Comcast, it hits our firewall. And that's the gatekeeper, the firewall to all of our network traffic, um, which is a great thing. And also a bad thing, because if any sort of issue happens with the firewall, it kills all four of our networks. Um, We have a Fortigate firewall, which has been good. We've had some issues recently with some DNS latency, and what happens when it can't connect? It instead of letting everything through, it shuts everything down. So that's been a bit of a pain point recently. Additionally, with the release of iOS 15.5, as well as mac os what's the new one Mon- monterey. monterey they created a system to limit network traffic tracking which is great for the consumer but for a network administrator it is a pain because what that does is it creates a proxy using icloud servers to not let your network provider see what traffic is going on so for a starbucks network that's wonderful it hides a lot of your data it protects you. However. When you're in an environment where you're monitoring data, you have some restrictions. We don't let any of our employees like visit gambling websites, for example. When they have that setting on, because it's sending it to iCloud, creating a proxy, we, they could be looking at anything and the firewall wouldn't track it. So what we did do is allow it to block all that iCloud proxy avoidance. On our firewall, which has caused a little bit of a headache for some users because they have that setting turned on. It was turned on by default after you updated to that. And so because of that, they couldn't access certain things. Anytime a network tried to track or anytime a website tried to track, it would just not let that website load. And so that has been just a a little bit of a hiccup. But I would encourage everybody to have that setting on for any networks outside of ones that you manage. So you guys have one internet line that comes into Harvest? Yes, we are in a remote location and a fiber build out was going to be some $60,000 to bring fiber to our location. So that is we only have one fiber or we only have one coax line coming in in the past during the very cold snaps that we'd get that proved to be a little bit annoying because we'd lose internet and there's nothing we can do. As of two weeks ago, I purchased a T-Mobile 5G backup to have in our office area. So that way, in the event the internet goes down, people can switch over to that. I can patch it in through our switch panel and kind of have some sort of... At least get something. Yes. If it goes down on Sunday morning, we can bring it down to the booth, plug in to BoxCast, and we can still stream. However, there's no firewall on there. There's no nothing like that. We also are on the wait list for Starlink as a backup and... The, T-Mobile just released this new business internet so I'm it's cheaper than Starlink and I think I'm going to stick with it but um, T-Mobile customer support I mean Starlink's not much better but yeah. T-Mobile's customer support has been a little bit of a pain to work with so we'll see but I do have that backup but we only have one one line in which a lot of churches have a coax line as a backup with a fiber line as their primary which I would love to do if we had the availability yeah. but yeah. we don't
1: do you know off the top of your head the we might have talked about this? We last talked time, about but it, but your I think that was speed, wrong. Your um, download and upload speed? Because this is probably a, a question that pe- a lot of people have of like
0: And what's the difference?
1: Difference and then, you know, if there, are they live streaming and obviously one network line being shared across two hundred devices or however many devices are connected at the same time.
2: Sure. Um so yeah, can you speak on that? We have three hundred and fifty down with thirty up. That's for what we do, normal office work and live streaming is more than enough. Obviously, when you're trying to upload some stuff or you're working on a project, you're going to run into some issues there, just slower slower speeds and stuff like that. But for browsing the web, for even doing multiple Zoom calls, stuff like that, we've handled it fine. Um, The T-Mobile backup we have gets around uh, 120 down, depending on its reception, uh, with about 25 up. But again, it fluctuates right, yeah, because it's, it's wi fi or um cellular yeah, yeah so it's
1: it's gonna go in and out based on area usage and,
2: Correct. and all that stuff. so it's it's a backup yeah, and it's definitely a backup
0: outside of a handful of people on our team, like we don't there aren't too many team members that are uploading large video files or things like that that would take up that upload bandwidth either so the main thing is like maybe some videos during the week we're uploading this is what i'm just thinking of yeah and I know then it's- like our live stream are kind of the two hogs of that upload speed yep
1: which so what's what's the difference
2: between download and upload download is anytime you're going to be viewing a website anytime that you're going to be watching a video anytime you're doing anything that is requiring data to come to you You're going to be downloading that off of website servers. A a Google search result is going to be a download. Anytime you're sending something, you're uploading a file to an email, you are uploading a video to your drive, anything like that, you're live streaming, that's when you're sending data somewhere else that's going to be uploading.
1: So as you bring information into the building, that's your download speed. Any information going out of your building is your upload speed. Correct. So I would say most internet companies... Blast like the big number for download because no, no one really cares about upload because they don't think about consumers. that consumers yes and every so time they're like oh 300 megabytes mm. that's crazy fast but they don't really look at the upload for live streaming
2: or whatever it might be correct people say oh yeah i got gig speed yeah down but you're only getting about 100 up and so that's a, a common misconception one of the things that is nice is that you know when we're live streaming it's sundays saturdays and sundays and wednesdays in the evening, and that's not during a lot of time that the office work happens, so we really have those two sides of office work during the day and then you know streaming in the evening and on the weekends and so we rarely ever have a crossover of people you know actively browsing the web and doing stuff like that while also trying to live stream right the other thing that we do on weekends to kind of help is like I mentioned earlier we throttle our guest network to block any sort of high bandwidth Um, Do you know what
1: that throttle number is at the top of your head?
2: I know sometimes people can go to YouTube and then none of their videos would load. I know other times people can't even get the website to load. So I believe it was was set up per website that is marked as a high bandwidth using website. So basically like email
1: and very,
2: very low Google searches or whatever would be fine. I know the Bible app, for instance, you can have different translations available, but if you're disconnected, you can only use your downloaded version. So stuff like that, we still allow. However... It's
1: good that you allow
2: someone to download the Bible. Yes, yeah, that's, that's important.
1: Translations.
2: In the last five years, the dependence on needing Wi-Fi has dropped significantly. Everybody has an unlimited plan now. Data is much readily more available, especially in the area where our church is, and people people have the devices people younger and younger are getting devices so now it's really just ipads and stuff like that that need to connect to our network versus everybody wants to use their cellular data because it's probably faster than our throttled guest network right
1: yeah we were on that boat three years ago maybe when we did a whole guest network change Mm -hmm. like do we really need it anymore everyone just uses their own cell phone data plan anyways and most of them are unlimited we still have it, but we went through that discussion of, do we keep it, not keep it?
2: Because it was starting
1: to cause problems for us.
2: And we've we've had that discussion. I still get asked three to four times a month, someone who can't find the password, who wants to connect to it, got a new phone, stuff like that. Apple is interesting because it will actually switch between your, da- unless you turn the setting off for like a metered data plan or something like that, it will switch between whatever is faster. So if you're trying to browse something and it's not working it'll hop over to LTE and then it'll come back when you're doing some lower traffic that's good and bad because in a production setting when you're on maybe an ad hoc network and you're trying to just go to the local router IP or something like that and it's registering that there's no network it's actually it's going to say you're connected but it's going to be using data for all your stuff in the background so that was a, a little bit of a learning curve where if you're connected to something but it's not giving you data it'll say no internet connection you'll be connected but unless you toggle that setting on or off it'll switch over your data plan just because apple's all about user experience they want you to have the most inter- uninterrupted experience and that's why they do that so that's a little bit about our you know people coming into the church side and how we have stuff set up for things like that however internally when we're doing a lot of you know staff stuff like that we provide all of our executive staff with a device um, and they take that home and so that's you know we also have to worry about taking that device protecting that device doing stuff like that and lots of things like that i highly encourage two-factor multi-factor authentication Um, i think that's definitely something that anyone with any sort of elevated access in your administration should have any sort of person that's an admin on any account should really have two-factor authentication ideally through like a Microsoft or Google Authenticator app, because even SMS can easily be spoofed or stuff like that. Nice. So, get on What that. is
0: two-factor authentication?
2: Two-factor authentication is where it needs two methods of confirming that it's used. So one would be your password. The second would be either be normally in the form of a six-digit security token, most of the time that's texted to you, But you can also have physical keys. So like I have a USB stick that I have to plug in to all my computers anytime I'm logging into a new account. And that is the physical token that in part with my password allows me to log in. There's also apps uh, like Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator that every 30 seconds they're generating a new six digit token for you to input. And that way, if anyone gets a hold of your password, there's nothing they can do without that security token. The reason why SMS is slightly less secure is just because, especially with Apple devices, everybody, you can see your text messages on three or four different devices. There's ways to intercept that. There's ways to spoof that. So I always recommend using some sort of app or authenticator device.
1: I'm not cool enough for people to hack my stuff.
2: And that's what you think. That's what you think. However, (laughs) churches are one of the most easily targetable businesses. Because they
1: trust everyone. They
2: trust everyone. Everyone's nice. So if I walked into a church and said, I'd love to volunteer in your children's ministry, I'm sure everybody would jump at that because children's ministry can always use more volunteers. And they'll say, hey, you know, I'll run check-in on Sunday morning. And so I'll, I'll go there they're like, all right, here's the password for check-in. Type this in. If they're smart, it's a lower tier check-in password that can only access check-in. However, if they're not, then you have access to the entire database. You're just a volunteer who can type names into a keyboard. What's interesting is churches love their data collection. They have names, numbers, addresses. Thousands. Lots. Anybody who's ever come into the church. And they also process money, giving, tithes, everything online. And a lot of that is housed in the same location using their CHMS, their church management system. Whether we use uh, Harvest uh, Church Teams, And planning center but there's breeze chms there's tithely lots of different ways to handle all your your data and that you know you can you can get access to tons and tons of people's names with their address their birthday just by having a database and so if i wanted to come in and just take that information you know what's going to stop me
1: so, all those listeners, if Nathaniel comes to your church Watch out, and wants to be yeah. a volunteer in the children's ministry and he wants to do the check-in, just say no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, turn away all volunteers. <laughs> but that's something that churches don't realize. They're so eager to... Yeah, they, just, they just want a body, as they, many bodies as they can get. Exactly. I went to a church IT conference, and the director of, of IT for Faith Lafayette... Gave a couple of presentations. He's a very, very locked down guy. Um and so he went into a couple of different churches. It's like, let's just check under the, the accounting manager's keyboard. And there's there's the password that's written there. And boom, he's in. So another thing that some people like to scary. Some some people like to have policies in place where, all right, you gotta change your password every three months. Well, the the downside to that is Once those three months are up, the people get annoyed that they have to change their password. There's something new that they have to remember. Then they add an exclamation mark to the end of it and move on. Or they have to write it down so that they remember it. And then that just creates more and more of an ability to be able to break in or do something. My personal policy is make a complex passphrase, not a password. Do... Fifteen to twenty characters and I don't, I don't have that many fingers to like count that, that's fine okay. just just some sort of short sentence or anything like that um and then never change it unless it's compromised, but being able to have a complex password that you you can use is great versus short passwords that you have to change every month
1: like don't use password. password.
2: As your password. Password, admin, QWERTY, John 316. 1, And a lot of people, myself included, for some of the things, like our Ruckus APs, for a while, were the default login. I, uh, I attended a, ch- a church camp. Um, I was a youth leader for one of our youth camps that we went out to. And they brought a guest artist in. And they were using some sort of stage rack mounted box with a little Wi Fi, un- unpassword protected. So I happened to to glance at what it was, and it was something that I'd used in the past. And so, you know, I'm I'm standing in the back worshipping, and I I pulled out my iPad. You were not worshipping. Let's be <laughs> honest. You're, I, like, I, I wanna, you're like I want to. I want to hack. That I want to jack with these people. And so, you know, they're, they're jamming, and I pull it up, and I connect to it, and I'm like, I wonder if, they, if they're using the default IP address for the router. Well, they were. Oh, there's the login screen. And this specific board is really, really cool because it's all done in a web interface. It's, you don't even need to have an app or anything like that. So then I was like, let's try admin and password. Lo and behold, it I was worked. in complete control of their mix. The bass guitar
1: needs to be up a little bit more. Let's it,
0: it, see. It, it, that yeah. That's a scary situation as especially as the technical director in a scenario like that.
2: That would not be I mean if you're not be fun. If you're mixing on an iPad and all of sudden- like you don't even have a physical board, and all of a sudden those faders start to move without you moving them. I, I'd I'd it's not a little God. Bit. It's not it's, it's not the finger on the wall. It's just yeah. somebody who has just had hacked bad in bad network management.
1: Yep. There was one time, probably like four years ago, all of a sudden we got a pop-up on our ProPresenter computer of a Bluetooth device that wanted to connect to our computer. And we're like, huh, nope, nope. Tur- turn that off. So we have wired everything. So, and then Bluetooth just turned off because I'm like, I don't know who you are and you're not going to connect to my computer.
2: Endpoint security is definitely um, a big thing. And some of these bigger boards that are running versions of operating systems stripped down like that are connected to your network should be treated just like a computer having some sort of security put in place. We right now use trend, um, my trend SPL. Uh, yes, but a different type of trend. Oh. We use apex one. It's an endpoint security system called trend. However, we're planning to switch to Microsoft's endpoint protection in the future and Trend because we've had some issues with how Trend works on our production network. That is a downside to having multiple different VLANs. We're, as an organization, looking to transition to as a Microsoft-only environment. Right now, we're split between Google and Microsoft and um, some on-premises servers. So the ideal situation would be getting everybody off of Google, getting rid of our on prem servers... And switching everything to Azure Active Directory, which is what's used to manage all the users, email, stuff like that. That way, everything is a single sign-on. It's very fluid. You have that one password you use for everything with multi-factor authentication, and it just creates such a seamless user experience when it's all set up correctly. If you're using Microsoft Teams for your organization and stuff like that, just having everything integrated, having everything right there with your single sign-on is such... A hassle to get to if you didn't start that way, but it's going to make your life a lot easier. Let's talk about that real quick.
0: Well, let's talk about that real quick. Pros and cons between a Gmail, Google setup and a Microsoft setup, and why the choice for Microsoft.
2: Google has a set of terms. That you're supposed to agree with. It's that fine print that no one reads. Yes. And most churches don't always hit all that criteria that they agree with. And therefore churches have been in a bad light by Google and probably will be pushed out in some time in the future is what I've heard and had rumors about. For little churches, littler churches... I don't think there's anything wrong with using Google Drive and Gmail to manage that. I personally like all of Google's products a lot more than Microsoft, especially their their Office suite versus, you know, Google Drive, Docs, and Sheets. The admin portal is also a lot nicer in Google. When I worked IT in the school district, we rolled out Chromebooks for every student K through 12, and so that's a a lot of users to manage, and Google does that very well. However, with Microsoft, there's a lot more ability to integrate when you're using a Windows environment, which about 90% of our staff is using uh, either Microsoft Surface or some sort of desktop computer. And having that, being able to set it up with everything in SharePoint, which is an uh, online storage solution, as well as OneDrive, which is also uh, the, the analogy I like to use is SharePoint is like your public servers. Like if you have a network drive mapped, And then OneDrive is like your local storage that's private. And having all that integrated with Teams, you can even integrate your phone system with Teams, having everything with a single sign-on so that you log into your machine and you're signed into everything is great as long as you have the security in place so that only you're the one logging into the machine.
0: Benji? Eric. How are you set up here at Mission with your infrastructure like even to the point of just like what does the IT team look like or when there's an information technology need that pops up like
1: how does that all get handled so at mission well let me take a step back I am not an IT guy I know just enough to be dangerous basically
0: you know just enough to break something yes
1: and then I call <laughs> someone else to come fix it <laughs> Because I break it and then I'm like, oh, I'm in too deep. I click too many buttons and I don't know what else I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, So at Mission, we're actually probably set up very similarly. So we've got one coax cable coming in from Comcast. We're very similar speed. I think we're 250 and 25, like that, I think one One tier tier down. So, and just one, that's all we got for live streaming and everything else that happens in the building.
2: Just one network? Or just one? No,
1: one internet line that comes in. And then we use a Ubiquity network system with four VLANs. So we've got a private, which is staff only. We have a public, which is not password protected. But it does, once you connect to it, you have to check a little box and say connect. And then it resets every 24 hours. So
2: the The lease?
1: Yeah. So then if you connected, you come back in 25 hours, you'd have to Sign back again. on again. So it kind of auto kicks you off. Then we've got a production network and then we have a monitor world network for our band to connect in further monitors.
2: So how did why, why did you do a different monitor network versus putting that on the production network?
1: One, we didn't want all those devices on the production network. And then secondly, originally, the monitor world network did not have internet originally. But then we ran into problems where some phones wouldn't want to connect to it because it couldn't find internet
2: and that's what i was talking about earlier yeah
1: so then
0: it would boot you off of that network and put you on your
1: it would basically say that you can't connect basically so then we then routed internet to that vlan and now it works fine that was quite a few years ago the production network gets priority when and i don't know the exact percentage but like when 60% of the network usage gets or gets used it knocks all three networks speed down and gives the production priority do you throttle your guest network we do not so all four networks get full access until like 60% usage gets taken and then it knocks all three down and only production gets priority And that's basically for live streaming, so we don't have a problem with, with uh, the upload speed, and we really haven't had that many issues of, that really, I mean our traffic, we've watched, we've monitored it, and it doesn't seem to throttle it too often. Again, I don't know if I think most people just don't even connect to the guest, and they just use their cell phone data, and they're fine with that.
2: Ninety percent of the internet issues that I've encountered have not been from lack of speed. Right. A lot of it is either on someone else's end Yep. or, you know, for some reason that got tripped into a firewall policy that's being blocked or there's some sort of other latency issue that's causing that page not to load or traffic not to go through. Yep. I've rarely ever had an issue where the speed has been the direct cause of right. some sort of issue.
1: Yeah. We do have some just off network like their own little separate networks uh for dante which is our audio system and that's just two separate networks so we have a primary and a backup for redundancy and those are just using cisco switches Unmanaged. for that. Managed. managed and i think that's all the networks that we have um almost everything is wi-fi here we don't really have very many hard lines except for the production so, like, all the staff basically is all on Wi-Fi. Guest is all on Wi-Fi. Production is, only, is mostly hardwired as far as all the computers, all the devices that can be hardwired are. And then Modern World is all Wi-Fi as well.
2: So do you have a bring-your-own-device policy, or do you, have, do you guys provide devices for your executive staff? Any full-time staff,
1: doesn't matter your position, so any full-time staff gets a new computer when they get hired and then anything else they have to get either out of their budget or their own. Sure. Um they might get a new computer when they first start and then the next year they might get an iPad or sure. something else. There's
2: a, a rotation that happens. Yeah.
1: And then everyone's in just yeah basically a rotation. So that's how we manage that. And yeah. I would I think everybody except three are on Mac. I think three of our staff is on PC. Everybody else is on Mac.
2: And that's that's interesting. Where I am at. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah. The worship pastor, Eric, myself, and one of our youth pastors.
0: And our senior pastor. And our senior
1: pastor.
2: Is a Mac. Is a Mac. Yeah. And everyone else is a PC. And everyone else. All of our office support staff are PCs. We used to have a lot of... Hardwired desktops. Um, I've transitioned a lot. Everybody except two two surfaces. Mm -hmm. And I have a dock at their desk where they plug into a monitor and stuff like that. And that's worked out really well. That way, especially when everybody had to work from home, take their laptop home, do stuff like that, and not be limited to coming into the building.
1: Yeah, basically everyone has Macs here. So they all have iPhones and they just do all that cool talking that they do.
2: Which a majority of our staff also have iPhones. So then do you let... Is, is that the church's device? Or do they then own the device? Are they given it the device? they like are, if a staff member were to leave, what's the policy They give us then?
1: back the computer or they can buy the computer and keep it. Yes. So that's typically how that works.
2: Part of my job is troubleshooting and stuff like that. If someone has a issue here, who do they come to? It depends on the issue. Um, if it's a printing issue, it typically
1: goes to the administrator here i hate printer
2: <laughs> printers <laughs> which i would printers. say
1: are probably majority of that issues is, um, um we just got a brand new copier machine printer have fun um, with that and so far it's been okay we we've hit some bumps <laughs> along the road but um we do have a volunteer it guy uh he works out of his house so he's available quite often so he will come over if if need be. He lives ten minutes away from here, and he's here every weekend as well for for service. So uh, if there's a major issue, then he takes care of it. If it's a printing issue, typically goes to the office administrator. Much more than that, I don't really know anything about issues. So they don't, don't get they called. They don't come to me. No,
2: that's that's awesome. That's
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask. What are some of the most common IT things that people have brought to you that that come up? And then kind of maybe like, what are some of the quick fixes
1: for those? Did you turn it off and And, back on again? Yeah, you
0: tried turning it off and on again.
1: And everyone rolls their eyes and like, really? Come on, that ain't going to fix it. That's not going to
0: fix it. Then
2: do it and it fixes it. But let's
1: be honest, that fixes the problem probably 98% of the time.
2: A majority of the time... That is all I do. <laughs> Whether I tell them that's what I did or not, no. But that's a lot of... Computers get stuck, and then they get unstuck when you turn them off, and then everything's working again. Kind of refreshes. And- Printing is a big issue. I do not enjoy troubleshooting that. We've had a couple times where our print spooler just gets stuck. Nothing goes through. we got to restart the server that the print spooler's on. It's chaotic because, of course, as soon as it breaks, that's when... Well, I just need to print off my life story. Like, everybody needs to print. Never fails.
1: Quick interruption. In order to print, what network do they have to be on at Harvest? So is many, that available on all of the VLANs? It is not because
2: okay. we limit our staff access. That's our heavily guarded network. Yep. We go through the the MAC address list almost every week. And if someone's got on that's not supposed to be, we, we blacklist them. We have three main printers big office level printers. And those are staff network only. We have one other printer that is on the production network in our worship center that is available to our worship and creative pastor to print off chord charts when needed, stuff like that. But a lot of that is done ahead of time by the ministry assistant in the office on the staff network. Yeah. But most of the time turning it off and back on again, fixes it. Um, I get a lot of, a lot of printing questions, get a lot of, well, this site isn't working. It's a lot of telling people that they're not doing something wrong and it's not an issue I can fix. I can also do about 85 of my job from anywhere. I went to a conference, you know, I was doing work. Being able to remote in and do some stuff like that is a big benefit. Remote work is amazing. It's pretty great. But people like just being able to walk up and ask questions. Most of the time I make myself available via Microsoft Teams. Someone shoots me a message any hour of the day. I'll respond or I'll say, you know, I'll get back to you later. But I find a lot of time people wait till I'm in the office yeah. to ask those questions, and when they try to replicate the issues when it, I'm there, it never happens. Never, never happens. works. It is stupid. The amount it's like of like my car's is...
1: making this noise, you take it to the mechanic, and then does not doesn't making make a noise. It's,
2: it happens. Yeah, more than is funny. Yep. Like they can't.
1: I, I swear, I swear, it was doing this or not doing that.
2: I take Mondays off, and so. Good. I, I come in on Tuesday, they're like, Yeah, we couldn't print yesterday. I'm like, All right, well what were you trying to print? And they, well, I do this, this, and this, and then it spits it out of the printer and I <laughs> sure yeah. it looks like you it's can't. Just the like, print,
1: that's because the printer knows that you're like in the presence of the building. That is what it's everybody like, says.
2: Oh, Nathaniel's here.
1: I have to print. I have to
2: work. That's what everybody says. My biggest challenge recently is we have an old phone system running on Pots lines, plain old telephone system. Um, with a on-site PBX, and it bit the dust. The brain of it is a two-gigabyte compact flash card. <laughs> so going back to CDs... Tiny little thing.
1: Tiny little thing. Only two gigs.
2: Yes. And that held all the programming and stuff like that. And so the first one that we realized there was an issue was people would leave voicemails, and they would kind of glitch out. And so then I started doing some investigating. Well, eventually, it one day it just, everything lit up and then everything turned off and then nothing again. Those compact flashcards for two gigabytes to be programmed the way that need to be programmed was $700. Hmm. For a... Just a little cheap thing. Just a little... little so, thing. a brand new PBX server for that age was $350. So yeah. I bought a brand new server, pulled the card out, chucked the server in the storage room and put the new card in.
1: You're up and running.
2: But that was, that was a big one. People were... getting a lot of messages about the phone system. Do you guys have a phone system here?
1: We're basically how you are. Just old-fashioned landline and with a management brain thingy. I don't know anything about it. But that
0: only hits the... Does that go to every office or does that go to the... so
1: there's like you turn it on to night mode or awake mode or... Day mode. Day mode or whatever. And if it's on night mode, they can hit like extension four to go to whoever and leave them a voicemail. If it's in day mode, someone's in the office, it rings to their desk and then they would transfer it to a staff member if if need be, or they just handle it.
2: That's what we have, except every desk has an extension. Mm. So anybody can be left a voicemail. And we use the, that ability to page desk to desk or across the building. And so that's why when we lost it, everybody yep. was, you know, kind of in a panic. I am hoping to switch to an IP a VoIP system quarter one of next year and then integrate that into Microsoft Teams as well. And that way you're able to pick up your cell phone from halfway across the world and make a phone call out. And it looks like you're calling right. from the church. Yep. And that's a definitely a powerful tool from working from home, being able to make and return calls without having to give out your personal, personal phone cell phone number number. or whatever. Yep. One other thing that is a bit of a sore spot for production people is having security in place on production computers.
1: We don't need security on our computers.
2: They're Macs. Yeah, they handle themselves. Macs are great. However, the production booth is normally not super trafficked during the week. If someone were to get in and be in there, they could potentially be on your network uninterrupted for... More time than if they walked into your main office. And so being treating those computers the same as any other endpoint in your building is definitely an important step. And people get a lot of, well, you know, we bought this out of the worship ministry or stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everything's connecting to to the network. And it's my job to protect that. And so I get to dictate who connects to what and how. And if I don't like it, then... You know, not going to let it connect to the network until we come to an agreement about how we're going to protect this.
1: Okay, here's a quick question about that. Some churches, they have a computer in the tech booth. Their booth is not locked and people think that that computer is like free reign to do whatever. Everyone
0: can hop on there and it's that's computer. public it's, access. It's already there.
1: It's, the library it's on, ready to computer. go. How do you address that problem?
2: Lock the booth, first of all. That's not even an IT thing. Just lock your booth second of all either have different logins different couple different user accounts depending on what ministry needs to use it or just make it if it's a production computer then it should be uh not widely publicized maybe a couple of your producers have that password but set it to something that isn't password or written down somewhere
1: flip the keyboard upside down and there's the password yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: and so that's definitely that's definitely a valid point obviously some churches are limited in their computer spaces and so somebody brings in a personal laptop for pro presenter or something like that but definitely the more ac- limited access um the better yeah because anybody can get on whether they're intentionally trying to be malicious they're unintentionally doing something
1: or it starts just, oh, I just need to do this one little thing. Exactly. And then the next time it's like, oh, well, I was able to do it last time. I'll do it again. I can do it again and again and again. And before you know it, it's like they just
2: did something without them even knowing about it. Trend is very nice. Our endpoint security is if you plug in a USB drive and it's, it sees some it doesn't like, it will, it won't let, it'll disconnect it. It'll unmount the drive. It'll send me an email, say who and when. And it's it's good with that. Same with file downloads. Our uh, our executive pastor got a a birthday card, which that site has historically been used to embed malicious links. It was just a birthday card, but Trend locked it down. Didn't let me him view it until I was able to take a look at it. So that's been nice. We've caught a couple different things like that. But someone walks into the tech booth. Someone walks into your checking computer. Slips a USB drive in. That's all it, That's all it takes. Nice and
0: blow the whole system up. It's pretty and, crazy. And, and then how in, interconnected everything is.
2: Everything. And that's where having, you know, if someone gets a hold of your production network, all right, kill it. But you still got your staff network that can be used in the background or vice versa. If someone totally locks down your servers um or something like that, you can still stream on Sundays while you're dealing yep. with that. And that's where having those different VLANs just kind of segregating your networks is is nice. And you know, it allows for you know a wider range of devices to connect to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we, for our, all of our production computers, which I can't remember how many they are, there's probably six of those computers maybe, nobody ever plugs anything into them. So they come in, Some sometimes they'll come in and say, hey, I need to charge my phone, and they like try to connect it to the computer. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to do that. Plug it into the wall. Here's a wall outlet USB thing for you. And then
2: yeah. you get more power out of a wall outlet than you do. Sure, our, you do, it but also thing.
1: none of my computers are actually in the booth.
2: That was my next question. You have a, fancy you have a nice system, KVM I do.
1: setup, right? So I have a full KVM system. So all of our computers are in a locked room. I wish everybody did it like that. So one, you don't have access to any of the USB ports, so you can't really just plug anything in, and then you can access any computer from any user station if you wanted to. But yeah nobody
2: plugs anything in now, is to that, any computer if you lose comcast do you lose access to your kvm no that's its own network it's its own network ad yes. hoc outside world now yes in the event that goes down we're going home <laughs> we got that you don't have any <laughs> it's sort a of a bunch of mac minis without
0: <laughs> a keyboard video Are
1: you going to be um, mounting those
0: to the wall trying to interact with them so
1: i have thought about that a little bit and i don't have a, a backup plan if one were to fail except I probably would just screen share to that computer and then I can operate it from my laptop or whatever. But I guess it depends on where the fail link part was. If it was just the one user station box, I've got other user stations five steps away so I can log on and I got ProPresenter up and running right there as if nothing even happened. If it was more of a network switch where nothing was able to connect to that computer, then it probably would be... A screen share in and, sure, and run sense. it that way but yeah it's its own network it's got uh two network switches one in the video room where all the computers sit and then one in the sound booth and then everything else is just long cables like i've got two cables down here that run all the way up to our video room where the computers are
2: so you can tab into this computer yeah from upstairs yep. and that's that's an awesome setup yep. I think what it all boils down to for a lot of things is churches are too trusting and people are too expectant that a church will cater to whatever they, their need is to charge a phone, stuff like that. Hey, I You don't want to be the bad guy that says
1: no or you're not welcomed here or you can't serve here or you can't plug your phone in here. Churches don't want to be like that. They should be like, oh, of course, yes, come Loving. serve. We'll
2: accommodate. Yeah, whatever, whatever you, need. you need. But if you're the person in charge of IT or AV, like it's your job to be the bad guy and protect those systems. Yeah. Because it's a lot easier to have someone, you know, have to walk 15 feet, charge their phone, and make that the standard than having to replace your entire servers because somebody one was one bad malicious. thing. Yeah. I'm inherently like a troublemaker. If I didn't work for the school district when I did like I would constantly be trying to eh, I wonder what this does, I wonder what that does. Like I was always looking for exploits and stuff like that. To the point Which where, is
1: good in your current role because now you can think you have that mindset to think that way. Correct. To help protect
2: Correct. When I was in school, they batch bought a bunch of projectors. Well, you can buy that same projector remote on Amazon and you can mess with any projector you want all day <laughs> whether you're in the class or not so that yeah. that sort of thing yeah, you class
1: is a little boring <laughs> bloop
0: bloop bloop what's wrong with the projector why
1: is it powering off
2: so there's and in that instance like just don't make stuff default passwords don't make things that anybody can access yeah like i had said earlier but people expect churches to allow them to yeah, you want to serve, here's here's the admin password to log into the check-in. Like, go ahead and do that. Well, I mean, you, you don't know who I am. You don't know my motive, anything like that. And the same goes for any sort of production person that in the downtime between service, if they're on the computer, they look like they know what they're doing. I'm sure no one's going to question them, but they just installed a backdoor to your system, and they're gone the next week, especially with who manages your website here. As far as what part? Like, content to edit it like that's that's part of my role as yeah the IT so supervisor.
1: our website is mostly done by our communications director however some staff edits their own section so like the youth pastor for the high school will do his own section the junior high will do their own section but like the main bulk of the website is our communications director
2: do you have a page to give online for tithing
1: it links to Planning Center.
2: So hypothetically, here we go. I could I'm just ready. build my own little page, kind of make it look like Planning Center. Go in and change that button that says "Give," redirect it to my site. You know, I could probably. You are
1: make, a rich man after that.
2: Like that's the thing. Churches process money transactions yep. fairly regularly. Yep. So whether you put some in place to to skim off of those donations on online, you redirect some. Like there's plenty of places that if you don't have the protection in place people can profit from that
1: yeah i would say probably and i really don't know this i'm just assuming i think most people they use the the planning center app sure church center app Mm -hmm. to give and they don't actually like go to our website and click the link and then get redirected or anything like that and i do know most people just do reoccurring so like Once it's done, it's done versus like going and doing it every single time or like a new person setting it up and that type of stuff. And I don't
2: disagree with. However, it only takes one. Right. And then, or you get in, you change the password, then you can put whatever you want on the website. Nobody can get it off. Yep. Like that's the other thing. Whether you want to, you know, put something not so nice on the church website, somebody did something you disagree with, change the password. There's really no way to take it down besides like unregistering your domain or something like that. And so there's a lot, almost all of it boils down to security and having restricted access. Yeah. And just having good policies and practices put in place to prevent things before they happen.
1: Beautiful.
0: Nathaniel's a fun guy to work with because he always has a great attitude too when... Because he
1: wants to to hack into things all the time. No, (laughs) no, no,
0: no. It's... what I love about Nathaniel is like his spirit when he goes into especially some of those basic troubleshooting things that pop up. He's just got a great attitude and like willing to jump in and serve. Even though I know you know, like this is just like such a simple thing. Like why like you almost want to shake the person probably <laughs> like why don't you no, it's probably more like just a restart,
1: strangle. restart your device? I just helped you yesterday with the with same, same, same problem. Thing. Now I'm going to strangle you. But
0: I know that you go into every encounter with someone just with like super grace and patience that it takes.
2: Let's figure it out. Let's, Let's see what's wrong. One of the things that I heard about a year ago that I've really tried to implement is like it is my goal to work myself out of a job. Yep. If I can train and equip people to not click on that suspicious link and turn it off and turn it back on again before calling me, even now, last year at this time versus now, I get about half as many help desk calls as I used to yep. because people have taught them stuff like that. That's made my job boring and a lot easier. <laughs> Less headaches. But, you know, if I can equip people, then that's, that's what I should be doing versus, yep. all right, go take a lunch break and it'll be fixed when you get back. Talking to them, showing them what I'm doing, giving them resources to be able to troubleshoot things has really made my job a lot easier. It's made people enjoy interacting with me rather than just saying, all right, click, 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 drag, enter.
1: Yep. And really that's everyone's role at a if collaborative as church a church environment. Em- environment of equipping other p- leaders with more information. So yes. like I don't have to be the one that turns the projectors on. I'm going to show my volunteer when you're running Pro Presenter. This because is this how you button. do that or turn the sound system on or like we're there to equip and to train everybody to anybody
2: in that leadership role should yep. be raising up other leaders. Yep. Or just knowledgeable people.
1: So I can retire early tomorrow and go <laughs> camping, go camping.
2: But I do. I mean, whether it's churches or it's house calls or anything, like a lot of the issues are not nearly as big as people make them out to be or think that they are. And it's, it's the end of the world. To just turn it off and back on again. Like, seriously, yes. do that. Sign out and sign back in. Do it twice. If it doesn't work the first time, like just. Try it. Try it again.
1: I have had that where it does not fix the problem the first time. But when I do it the second time, it does actually do it. Now, nine times out of 10, it does fix it the first time. Correct. But there are times where I'm like, okay, I'll just do it again. And it does fix it. Some devices have a little internal battery. Correct. And you got to discharge. the. Yeah. So if you just do it really quick, it still has a charge in that battery to save that information.
2: And yeah, with Windows 11, which I won't even get into, but I'm not a fan for business and workplace environments yet. But they have like when you shut it down with the the menu, it's not a full shutdown because they want it to be a quick boot up. So it goes into a a sleep mode, a deeper sleep mode, Oh, deep sleep. So when you hit shut down and then you press again, you actually didn't shut it down all the way. Interesting. So, you know, it's it's if you do that and then you unplug it, it's safe, quote unquote. But it still has processes running in the background. Hold down the power button till the screen goes black. Keep holding it. Five seconds, discharge all those internal capacitors, turn take a, it back take on. Take
1: a smoke break and then yes. turn it on.
0: When it comes to tablets and laptops, it does seem like people aren't turning them hard off as often now either. Like it just goes to sleep or you shut the lid, which it's just actively still
1: on. So it's that quick boot up. Sometimes I'll ask my wife. She's, How do you turn it off? Like she's sometimes. like doing stuff and all of a sudden it won't work. And I'm like, when's the last time you powered your phone off? I don't know. Why do I have to do that? Well, because it does clear the memory out. So yeah. then she does that. And I was like, oh, it's working now. Yeah.
2: I did go in. Uh, one of our counseling pastors was having an issue. and I was like, when was the last time you turned this off? And he actually, he fully shuts it down every night mm. and powers it back on. However, he tries to do stuff as soon as you turn it on. And especially with Windows machines, you got to let them warm up and stuff like that from the initial boot up just all the ba- all the background processes that happen it's insane thanks windows but you do that and if something's not working don't keep clicking it it's one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> it's not opening i just keep clicking <laughs> the mouse <laughs> on the icon and, and eventually it will open you have 42 new documents in microsoft word
0: i have a quick question okay. just cuz i'm thinking of weird little yeah. nitpicky things but what are some quick tips that you can give people like even as simple as I'm I'm thinking about, for some reason, like force quitting an app in a Apple environment. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is a silly question, but.
2: If an, it, the same principle of turning it off and on again for the computer goes for any sort of application. So if you get an application that's being weird, it's not responding, go ahead and force quit it. Um, with Windows, you go up, to, uh, you can open the task manager, which can be accessed a multitude of ways most commonly alt, control, delete, and then selecting task manager. With Apple's, um, you can go up to force quit and under the Apple icon at the top left and select whatever application you're not using. I know occasionally on my Mac, the airdrop function just stops working, and I have to go in and relaunch Finder, which if you didn't know, your entire desktop on an Apple is just one big Finder window. And when your desktop is full of 300 folders, that's actually slowing your computer way down because it's processing each one of those as a finder window
1: so wait a second are you saying that i should not have 300 documents on my desktop
2: what i'm saying you should turn on nests so everything of the same file type goes into one folder and if you can't see your picture on your desktop screen then there's no point you should have like i mean i'm guilty of having Twenty folders sometimes, especially when I'm in the middle of projects. The desktop is such a convenient place to put things. Like, it's I so will, easy. I will it's all right it that. There. It is convenient. I
1: think my, I have three.
2: Three files?
1: Three files on my oh. desktop.
2: I go about, about once every six weeks. I'll go through and I'll clean up my desktop. But um, yeah, definitely don't, don't over clutter your desktop. It makes your life so much easier when you have a good file structure. Even if you are... You know where you put it, well you might not know where you put it in two weeks when you're looking for it again. Or
0: someone else may need to look for it and it needs to be a structure that <laughs> we had can a, find. a
2: graphic designer leave. Definitely is, is helpful having things organized, especially in churches where you're gonna go through a change of staff, stuff like that. You're not gonna have people not even not even churches, anywhere. Having some sort of file structure in place so that you or the next person is equipped is definitely um a tip I would say.
0: Thanks for sharing that all with us, Nathaniel.
2: Yeah.
1: Hopefully that uh clears up some issues that you might guys might be having at your churches. That's a lot to download,
0: but it's gonna be
1: I go I gotta go change all my passwords now. Yeah. It's from password to password, password one. Explanation <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one other tidbit I'll leave you with is your security questions they don't have to be true like
1: yeah but i work at a church i can't lie
2: but you can make stuff up okay like if if it asks where your sibling was born at and you don't have a sibling you can say they were born on canada and mm.
1: like long lost sibling that's exactly in the north
2: like if it asked what is the make and model of your first car you can put Ferrari like it doesn't does not as long as you remember it it does not have to be accurate
1: that was actually the first car that I had was a Ferrari really no (laughs)
2: because I could in passing Eric what what was uh what was your first car
0: I'm not going to share that on this in case I've used it was a
1: uh, (laughs) there we go but it was a 2011 red ferrari
2: say hypothetically i was trying to get into your account and it oh security question well i'll come back to that after uh, you know i'll just make some conversation you know so when's where, your, where did your parents meet where Where? what town did they grow up in oh in chicago and oh that's then, cool
0: and you think that person's interested in like like what my you life have to say or whatever. in your life yep. and they're becoming your friend but really they're becoming i never thought about that actually
2: a, and the last your last name i really like that was that did, did you take your father's last name or what's your what's your mother's maiden name?
1: Mm. I didn't and, take her maiden name cuz she married so she changed her name. Well, you could have <laughs> could have not. But just right, making, no, I get making it.
2: conversation and like where where do you and your where do you, you go Y's to Like what 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 school you go? Like all sorts of yeah, questions that yeah. you never would think of. i I'm, I'm
1: never going to answer any question
2: that you ask me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going now. So it's like People can be malicious. Yep. And there's a lot lots of ways to get get around it. But nice. Yeah, happy to, to share my experiences and hopefully is uh spark something for someone else to go and change their password.
0: Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Technology in Worship.
1: Big shout out to one of our listeners that uh I'm sporting a shirt right now.
0: Game changer. It says
1: game changer on it. So shout out to that amazing listener. Amazing. That sent us some shirts. Yes.
0: Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. (laughs)